What up, Motospot? We are back after a week off. We have returned. What a crazy uh, Daytona we had yesterday. I'm excited to talk about this episode with uh, this guy. He's been in the industry for a long time, but a huge thanks. We couldn't do this show. It wouldn't be possible without our sponsors. So a huge thanks to Spot Network. Make sure to check those guys out on the Spot Network app, the fastest growing streaming service in the industry. So please check those guys out. Thank you. Thank you to them for coming on board with us. Also, huge thanks to Scott Goggles, Motion Pro, Works Connection, and Bell Ray. So I actually just rode with Bell Ray a couple weeks ago. Cody Wolf down there at Monster. We had some fun. So excited to get back into the swing of these things. Like I said, we are finally back racing Supercross. But before we talk about that, I want to get this guy online. He's been in the industry for a long, long time. He's worked for EVS, Thor, TCX Boots, and now is the main man over RB Components. It's the one and only Jamie Foreman. What's up, dude? How are you? <laughs> What's up, Trip? How are you, man? Dude, I'm good. It's uh, actually nice weather in Nashville for once, so I can't complain. Dude, that's good. You guys have had a little cold snap back there, haven't you? Dude, like two weeks ago, I didn't leave my house. The snow is so bad. Like, we're not used to this stuff. Like, everybody gives me crap because I'm from California, but like, California gets gnarly snow in Mammoth and Lake Tahoe and stuff, but here it gets like ice. And then we actually got snow too, so it was sketchy. Um, it's like sleety, nasty, yeah. wet nastiness. Yeah, yeah. Like it was. Man, crazy. We don't we don't have much of that out here. It, it's uh, you know, come on, dude. No, you're Southern in Southern California. It's, yeah, it, it's it's a crisp day today, about fifty nine degrees. So um, nice yeah. day on the couch. I, I had a little too much um, libations last night, and I'm not at, I'm not I'm not firing on all cylinders today. <laughs> well, I texted you today, and I'm like, "Hey, like, how was Havasu?" And you're like, "Ooh, that's next weekend. I got my weekends mixed yeah, dude. up." I'm like, yeah, I got oh, my okay. weekends off. I got my weekends all off. Now, my my kid, my youngest, plays basketball, and you know, California's all been shut down because of COVID. Right. So there's no high school sports. So he's on a club team, and there's a tournament in Arizona next. It's next weekend. I thought it was this weekend. Okay. So it, it's kind of a funny story. At RB, mentioned that like. I, I bought a new sprinter van and I'm trying to get it done so that I could take it on this trip. So like all week I was stressing because I ripped it know. all apart to do it and try to get it all done. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get this freaking thing done. So then my wife's like, no, dumbass, it's next week. And I'm like, Oh shit, I'm chill then. So yeah, you're like, I'm good. Like, Hey, nothing, I'm good. Nothing like I'm being good. ahead of the curve. Oh yeah, totally. I'm on my game now. I got freaking, I got a week, I got an extra week to build a van that takes like three months to do. So what'd you, know, you hey, do with your other good. moto van? Um, Vangina. I got rid of it, dude. Um, oh, you did. I bet you freaking yeah, made I, some money on that thing. You know what? I am not going to confirm or deny that statement. I, I, I did very well on it. Yeah, but you I had a lot well. of money in that. So for people that don't know, Jamie had an old Ford van with, but it had Fox coilovers. It was like it, super. I, sick. I didn't have a lot of money in it. I had a lot of time into it. Like yeah. everything I did, I did myself. Um, it was just a badass van. I mean, I got, I and I got into the moto industry, and I had a pickup, and you know, I'd go to the track or whatever, and. I knew all these dudes that I rode with because we all had trucks and all of their shit was getting ripped off. Like you stop at seven 11 and your gear bag would get jacked. My buddy Bill was at in Elsinore and stopped at like Carl's jr. or Something like that on the, you know what I mean? And went in went to the bathroom, ordered something to eat, came out, his bike was gone. Oh, so shit. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I'm not going to, so I bought a, I bought a moto van, you know, I bought a Ford van and I, and, um, I was at, with EBS at the time and I, and they were like, dude, you're going to buy a van. Well, we'll wrap it for you. I'm like, Oh, sweet. So I have like this bitch in, you know, EBS sports wrap on it. And, yeah. uh, 
it, that was it. Like that was in like 2000, something like that. So oh, dang. okay. So a long um, time ago. Yeah. So, I mean, it's 20 years ago and I, I, I got out of the moto industry in, Oh, or no, 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 no. 2017, 2017. Like, yeah, I, I worked, you know, the beginning of 2017 is when I started at RV components and, I don't know. I mean, I miss it. I miss my friends. I, I miss, I miss going to the races and I miss that camaraderie and those people. I wasn't ever one of the cool guys. You know what I mean? Like right. I, for me, it was about making money and, and you know, if you told somebody you were going to do something, you did it. You know what I mean? You made connections, you made friends. And I, and I, the friendships that I made during there, like the real friendships, like, like with you, right? right. Like I haven't been in the moto industry in four years. So, um, yeah, it's like, you I'm, kind of fade I'm, away I'm a little still bit. friends with you. Yeah. You, you fade away and, and you lose, you know, I, I was never like, like Mr. Relevant. You know what I mean? I just, I was a grinder. I went in, I did my job, I did my thing. And, um, I don't know. It was cool. There, there was a lot of dudes. Like when I, when I first got into it, it was all about the party scene. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like party hard. And well, you were I working there at the good years, right? Like you said, like 2000 to 2006, like the money was yeah, so good. I was like everything was like wide open. The money wasn't like amazing back then, right. but it was solid. You know, I was I was in the machine tool business, and I was a moto guy. I grew up riding and racing motocross, and you know, I mean, I was never really good, but I could hold my own type of thing. And I just wanted to do it. I went to Supercross. I was passionate about it. I when I was a kid, I raced. Um, I went to. I never got to go to Loretta's, but I went to Ponca City in like '82. And that was the year that um, there were some kids that got killed. It was, um, I think it was Bruce Bunch. I can't remember the names, but it, anyway, um, kind of a crazy experience. But yeah. And then I just, I rode and raced in New Mexico, whatever, where I grew up. And then I moved out to California in the early 90s. And um, I wanted to work in the industry. And so I ended up doing it. And, you know, you had to take an entry-level position, but you... I got in entry level and then just worked. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I was a worker bee. I, I did a job. I was responsible. Shit. I was already 30 years old. So I wasn't a 18 year old kid that couldn't rent a car and couldn't do all that stuff. So I got a little more responsibility and I got a little bit more of this and a little more of that. And then just one thing led to another. And I, I was at EVS and I did their, um, I, I was kind of their West coast sales manager. Todd Lentz was the main dude, yeah. um, in Wisconsin. Yep. And, um, I handled the West Coast because he wasn't here. And then I did rider support and I got to know a bunch of the amateur kids. You know, I mean, like, I don't know, there was a bunch of dudes like Daniel Sawney and Adam Chatfield and Josh Lichtel, rest in peace. You know what I mean? Like kids like yeah. that, they were still coming up when I got into it and made friends with them. And, you know, I mean, they're kids. Don't get me wrong. But, but you made just got those to know them. Yeah, with, make those relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then I, um, I used to do all the local dealers in SoCal and I'd go out and I would merchandise and set up displays and like do graphic wraps on walls and stuff like that. And, uh, Bob Morales at ASB inventions, every time I would go into a shop, I would try to snag like the best real estate and Morales would come in and try to grab the best real estate. But it seemed like I always beat him to it. So <laughs> we were at an event. We were at the shop one time and he comes in and he's like, dude, how do you, you know, we just started talking and he's like, it seems like everywhere I go, you were ahead of me and you got in. I want you to come work for me. And this was like an 03. So I had been in EVS for about two and a half, 
two and a half years, three years. Okay. So I went to work at ASV and Bob was, you know, ASV was still, I mean, dude, it was a tiny, tiny little company. Like everything we sold, we sold out of a box van at the races type of thing. Right. And right place, right time. You know, we kind of got on that bubble. We did some anodized levers, did different colors. I was like there in all of that. And, you know, Bob's a smart dude. Bob's a good dude, but um, no buts. Just like, what's our next? I don't want to call it a gimmick, but like, what's the next thing? It's like, let's do yeah, something. More companies are coming. Yeah, more companies are coming on the market. Yeah, but yeah. it was it, it was more trip. It was more like everybody was adding all that bolt on billet anodized shit, and so it's like, let's do anodized levers, and boom, it exploded. And I rode that wave, and it was just kind of time to move on. And I had um, kind of was getting some growing pains and just wanted to, I needed a change in like 07. And I was with him for like four years or so. Okay. And just like most dudes in the industry, they bounce. You know what I mean? Like you get in and you figure it out and then you, you see a, a better opportunity, you know, like not necessarily the fences or the grass is always greener, but there was a different opportunity being a different dude for a different company. Right. And so I went to ASV and then there was another opportunity. I was actually going to go to pro circuit and, um, Mitch and I just didn't like it, it. There just wasn't that like, we didn't, we didn't gel at all. And I actually left my job at ASV to go to pro circuit like an idiot. And, um, there was no job to go to because Mitch and I couldn't come to terms. So I kind of floated. I, I was really good friends with the Langston's. And Gerald and Grant had their shop out right at the, you know, entrance to Lake Elsinore track. So yeah. for about, about three months, Gerald was like, dude, just come work for me. I'll pay you until you find something else. And so I kind of went out there and helped him do a little bit of like some inventory stuff and kind of do some things. And then, um, my buddies at fast company, the, you know, the, the flex handlebars, yep. I went and worked for them for a little bit. And then I got a job at TCX boots in 2000. 2008 ish. And I worked there until for three years with TCX, which was okay. an amazing experience, but it was kind of a, it was an interesting, um, it, it, it was an interesting time. You know, TCX was Oxstar, right. And they had their dish issues with eight, with uh, Alpine stars. And so they were trying to reinvent themselves. And I was the only employee in the United States. Like it was just me okay. and it was like a monumental task. You, you know what I mean? Like right. one that I thought I was prepared for. And then when I got into it, it's like, Oh, what am I doing? Like, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of work to be done here. God, dude, tons. So, um, yeah. that then we parted ways and then I went to work for Thor and I went in as, um, I went in as their brand manager with the intention or the hope to be the GM like uh, Dave Gowland had been okay. and Gowland left Thor and went to Rockstar. Or I think I yeah. went race team and then he went to monster, whatever. Yep. So that was kind of the plan. Like, Hey, come in as this role and then we're going to, you know, teach you the ways of the, of, of parts unlimited. Right. And then we're going to groom you to go into this role. But my thing was, is I live in Orange County and Thor was in San Diego. And so it was a uh, hundred miles from my house to that, to their office. Yeah, it was a haul. And it was a haul, dude. And I did that for like, 
well, from 2000. For a while, at least five years. Yeah. I think it was, I, I, honestly, it, it's all kind of a blur. I think it was like 2010, 2011 until 2016. So it's like five years. It, it was yeah. a five, six year gig. And it was, it was cool, man. The gear industry is a, it, it's an interesting ride. And, you know, like when you're someone that works in the industry, you see these companies, right? And you kind of look at them like, man, I would like to be there. Wow, those guys have their shit together. You know what I mean? Like their presentation, not necessarily a product, but, but you know, you, you go to Supercross and Thor was the sponsor of Supercross and they were the sponsor of Outdoor. So they have this huge larger than life presence. And, you know, when you're the 800 pound gorilla, people take shots at you and it's like, oh, they suck, they this, they that. But when you get there and once you kind of get accepted, it was a family. And that was the yeah. coolest thing about Parts Unlimited and that group of Thor was it was a family. And, but, you know, I mean, it, it's one of those things. Thor's been around since 1968. They were one of the first gear companies. It was Torsten Hallman. You know, it was Hallman, right? Yeah. And then it was Torsten Hallman Original Racewear, which became Thor. And um, it was an amazing company. It was an amazing opportunity. But for me to walk away from it, it was this. I walked away. I was 46 years old. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, you were traveling was, a lot too. Ah, dude, I got two kids and I missed football and baseball and all these things. And I, yeah. I traveled a ton. But the reality for me, Justin, was... I'm a 40, I was a 45, six, seven year old dude trying to sell gear to 14 and 15 year old kids. Like yeah. how serious were they going to take me? You, you, you know what I mean? Like you need to be that 23 year old dude who's, you know, fast on a dirt bike. That's cool. Like they had some good dudes there. Sean Murphy was there. I mean, they had some really good guys that were at Thor that were better in that regard, my thing was, is I was the guy who did all the training for all the sales reps. And I, you know, worked with all the purchasing department at parts unlimited to make sure that quantities that they got colors, you know, color breaks and, and you're in the gear business. So you, you understand yeah. that. I mean, you, and you were, and you still are, but it was, uh, it was cool. It was interesting to see how it, how much work it takes to get gear set, you, you know, I mean, to get a, to get a gear drawn up, and how long it takes for that thing to come to fruition. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. a two year process and it always blew my mind. Like it really truly did. And well, at parts, Oh, go ahead, man. I, I'm no, no, you're good. talking. You're no, you're good. Ear off. no, you're good. I, this is what we want. So keep going. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's like what I was going to say. It's but just yeah. like everybody, you know, thinks that, Oh, like gear companies copy this person or gear companies copy this person. It's like, no, like, a lot of times, almost every time, actually, gear takes two to three years to create. Like right now, we're already working on 2024 gear. And that's kind of the same that how it was for you guys at Thor. I would imagine like 2012, 13, you're already working on 2015, 16 gear. So yeah, it's it like was, it, you're always just trying to keep up with the times and nobody's out absolutely. there trying to copy each other. It's just everybody's just trying to no, look at different it, stuff. No, it's not. And, and that's the thing about it is it tripped me out that, you know, Thor was in a bubble. We were down in San Diego and all these other companies are in, you know, like Fox is in Orange County and Fly is in Idaho. And, you know, it's not like they're spies. You know what I mean? Yeah. The designers, I think maybe friendly, like the guys at Thor, they, you know, I mean, who they hung out with, I have no idea, but it was a trip to see the similarities. 
And so what it, what it was a trip to me was as not a designer at all. You know what I mean? Like I was, I'd look at colors and go, that's kick ass. And then some younger guys would come in and they're like, yeah, dude, that's because you're 40 something years old. And that's when I started seeing the writing on the wall for me. Like, dude, I don't know if this is the right move for me. And, you know, parts was a little slow to react on certain things. They, you know, at one time, I mean, come on, think about back in the glory days when Thor used to run the commercials with McGrath getting thrown out of the semi or Chad Reed and, and, um, but, uh, uh, Josh, um, what's his name? Now I can't think of it. I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, I can't remember the commercial. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Like they drive through the drive through and they're like, oh, brap, brap. You know what I mean? It was Josh Hansen. Okay. Like those commercials were badass back in the early 2000s. And it's hard to stay on top. You, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you see the rise and fall of all these different gear brands. And you see designers go from one company to another and you can see – you can see where they take a jump and then they go up and then they kind of hover there. And then another company steps up and, and different things, but it's, uh, it's, it, it was a really cool, it was a really cool experience and, and I miss it. And I, like I said, I miss the camaraderie. I miss going to the races. I miss being involved in that. I mean, dude, I, and, and this, I'm not bragging, but it's like, I, I'm sitting in my in my office slash game room right now talking to you, and I'm looking on the wall, and I have all my credentials from like '99 to 2016, like yeah. all of them, you know. Still, and and I had, I'm not going to say all access, but I mean every year I had a credential for outdoor, and I had a credential for motocross. So you got to be behind the scenes and see all of this stuff, and being in it that long, you see these kids that you knew when they were little kids that made it, you saw the kids that you thought were going to be something that didn't. And it, it's, it's interesting, man. I, I, it's, it really, truly, it was a great experience and one that I will, you know, cherish, you know, and I've made right. some really good long lasting friendships, but um, I don't know. I, 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 I dig what I'm doing now. I don't have to travel. My office is like eight miles from my house. I drive from, you know, I, I'm home every night. It's bitching. I, I wish I could have done it earlier only because my kids are now like, I got one in college um, and I've got one in high school and I missed a ton of stuff in those formative years that I wish that I could have taken back. And I mean, I was around as much as I could, but right. I traveled to all the supercrosses and all the motocrosses and I yeah. would do European rounds and I would do Australia and I would do these things. And so I'd be gone to Europe for two or three weeks or I'd go to Australia for three weeks and um, go to Eichma and go to Intermont and go to the different shows every other year in, in either Italy or in Germany. And so um, it was an amazing experience, but I'm glad to be home. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, yeah. It, I mean, that's still, yeah. I mean, it just, a lot of times after they say it's hard for like reps, you know what I mean? A lot of reps, they have the kids and the, the windshield time and being luckily for me, like I'm home every night, but there are some reps that do like overnights and stuff. And it's like, man, that'd be crazy for, for you to be gone once a week doing overnights or two nights a day. You know, I remember hearing a couple reps from like Fox and stuff. They've got really big territories. And luckily again, like I moved to Indiana, so I got to pick what was central to my territory. But a lot of these guys take jobs and they stay where they're from. Like you, like you took the Thor job, but you stayed in Orange County. You didn't move to San Diego. So you had to do that community every day. So it's, and I, it and wears th- that on was you for the, sure. 
Well, that was the cool thing about what Parks gave me is they gave me the opportunity. They knew what the job was. And so they're like, dude, here's the deal. You're going to be home office. You're going to report to the office whenever you're not on the road. And so I was on the road. I mean, I, and I don't remember what year it was, but there was, there was like a year, like two years where my average was like 40 weeks gone. You, you know what I mean? Like, Damn. so yeah, if, if, if Moto and Supercross wasn't going on, then it was time to sell gear. You, you know what I mean? Like right. Supercross would roll into town and you, you know how it works. Like, you know, the circus yeah. rolls into town. So all the dealers are kind of, there's like a frenzy where, you know, they're getting riders there to sign autographs and to do all of those things. And so, um, there's, there's a buzz in town in, in the motorcycle, in the, in the motocross community. And so you show up and it's like, okay, Hey, Jamie's here from Thor. Okay, cool. So he goes in with the local rep and you get him to buy a little bit more product or, Hey, we have this new, whatever. I want you to see it and show it to him. Let me help your, let me show your staff what the features and benefits are. So they're a little bit more educated or knowledgeable about the product because it really boils down to all the gear, <coughs> excuse me, Thank is, you. come on, it's all basically the same, right? I, I mean, fit, but it's, it's about the colorways and it's about what the graphic is on the Jersey. Yeah. That's what sells gear and people are loyal. You know what I mean? If you're a fox guy, part, yeah. you're going to be a fox guy forever. If you're a fly guy, you're going to be fly guy forever until something sways you. Whether it's you get a you have a bad experience with a pant, or you get I don't know yeah, sponsored I mean, by somebody, or you make a relationship with somebody new, or whatever. Exactly, exactly. That's the and so relationship, like a lot of guys will switch because they met somebody and like now they're like the best friends. It's like you guys have known each other for six months, but. It's, it's yeah, but more, they're but they're thick as thieves. You know what I mean? They're yeah. like all of a sudden he's your new your new best friend because he hooked you up and right. So there was a lot of that. It, it was funny to tell my wife. It's like I knew Supercross was rolling around because I started hearing from people that I hadn't talked to in a year. Right? right. Yeah. Hey, bro, what's going on, man? Hey, can we get some tickets from you? And you know that kind of thing. And it's just like, oh, dude, go away. You know? I mean, yep. No, for so, sure. It's, yeah, just, it's just the beauty of. I mean, I don't know if you'd say beauty, but it's just the lay of the land, I guess, with our industry. But what a lot of people don't know, too, is like back in the day when you guys, when Thor and Parts sponsored Supercross, you guys would do the dealer shows every Friday night before this race. So you'd have to exactly. fly in, do those, and then so you would, do so all those typically all night. You would, yeah. Yep. Yeah, you would typically, I would typically leave town on Tuesday, fly into, let's say, Dallas, right? We had a showcase on Friday night, so I'd get there on Tuesday, hotel it. And, you know, rent a car, hotel it, and start seeing, meet with a local rep, go see dealers all around it, not just a rep, because in those big cities, there were two or three reps. So you would have to travel with those two or three guys for a day each. So you get there Tuesday, so Wednesday, Thursday, all day Friday, and then you'd go to, by the stadium, just in Dallas, like, and then we'd put on this event, and all the local dealers would show up to the event. We'd have the riders show up and sign autographs. They would have dinner. They set up this thing that was called a showcase, and they would everybody had these displays in like this big room, whether it's a convention center or a hotel or wherever it was. Mm-hmm. And you would do that, and then on Saturday, you'd you'd pack everything up Friday night. You'd move everything over to the track on Friday night, and Saturday morning you'd roll in. You'd have to set up the entire display, and and there's the funny thing was is there's like a road crew for those guys that bust their ass, and truck yeah. drivers and the, the logistics is a nightmare. And so I was the first guy that they had that was a brand manager slash manager, whatever. 
that would show up and help them do the work. And, you know, you'd get filthy, dirty, sweating your ass off, moving shit around. If it was super cold, you were coming, you know, inside a stadium, going outside to the truck, freezing your ass off back inside. And you're pushing these carts around and setting up the display. <laughs> so gnarly. But there's dudes that, there's dudes that don't do shit. They show up and they, they're, they're like the glam guys. And so I just wasn't one of those dudes. Like I just didn't, wasn't yeah, you saw somebody way, working. I mean, yeah. You'd help them out. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah so it was, a, it was a, it was a cool run. And in all of this, like my passion for moto, I, I have a really good friend of mine named Steve Flanders and Steve Flanders bought, if you remember the original fantasy league motocross that came from like the nineties, it was Denny Stevenson and one of his buddies. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but they started moto X dream. Okay. okay. Yep. And it was a fantasy league motocross. They started it. And Steve was a like, we played it and we were buddies and we had, are you there? Yeah. Sorry, man. My I'm, I'm on my wife's phone because my phone's a dinosaur. I, I'm still on a flip phone. So <laughs> I know um, I your phone, she's getting huh? all it's these green. tones and these messages, getting all these tones and messages. And I'm like, what the hell is that? So, um, so anyway, Steve got me super into this fantasy league motocross. And we would play and we, we had a little money division. It was all a bunch of industry dudes. And um, we would, we would play for cash and whatever. I mean, right. you know, Just we're not, supposed to, we, yeah, we'd say for, we would say for credit because gambling is illegal. Right. Yep. So we would play for credit and I'm air quoting right now. I know. So, uh, <laughs> I can hear your voice. So, <laughs> right, you can hear my hands moving. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, so Steve, so we started this podcast. And, um, back in the day, I was good friends with Eric Elrod and Doc Bodnar that had, um, what was it called? It was called, um, uh, the I think it was, Moto, Moto X, Moto X fantasy, I think, or Moto. Dream no, no, fantasy. no. It wasn't fantasy. It was like, it was, a it was a Moto podcast and it was Bodnar and Elrod. And I had done the show with Eric Elrod a few times. And so he and I started talking about like, Hey, let's do a podcast and let's talk about fantasy league. Because we were into it, like being total nerds, right? Yeah. So I called Elrod and I'm like, hey, would you mind if we did this? And he's like, no, dude, have at it. You know, I mean, he had been out of it for a few years. And so Steve and I started MX Talk Radio. And it kind of, this was in probably 07. So before I started working for Parts Unlimited. Okay. And we started MX Talk Radio and it kind of, I'm not, Dude, it wasn't a big deal. I mean, for me, it was always just for fun. We didn't take on any sponsors. We There was no money. We did it all on our own spare time. Steve, his house, he had a, this huge garage, and he turned it into a studio. And we had, like, you know, the boom mic, and we did, we did video. We did all kinds of stuff. And our live listeners were, like, started out like one dude, right? Yeah. And then it, then it, it grew to, like, 15 and then it grew to like 40 and then it grew to like 80 and like the most live listeners we ever had. It was like every Tuesday night from like six to 8 PM. And sometimes it would run longer or not. And, um, we got through my friends and my connections. Like, you know, I was good friends with Brock Tickle. And so Tickle was on all the time. Chris blows was on all the time. Yeah. Um, uh, um, Brayton was on a lot we started this thing with Weston Pike where it's like, 
we had Weston Pike on our show every single week. And it was like, where's Weston? Because we would call him on Tuesdays and he was always out to dinner somewhere. He's like, oh, dude, it's Taco Tuesday. And Weston was writing his ass off before okay. he got any notoriety and he wasn't getting any love. And so we would have Weston on our show. And so anyway, we started doing it. And um, I don't know if you remember, there was a guy named Paul Lindsay. He was kind of an agent industry dude, super good dude, like yeah. really like Paul. And I had Paul come on because he was a really good commentary dude. Like I'm a bullshitter. You know what I mean? Like I like to talk and chat if you haven't already noticed. Yeah. And I apologize to your listeners. You know, they're going to hear me freaking this dude just doesn't shut up. But that's what we it's want. It's just kind of my style. Yeah, we want and, that. And so, okay, cool. Well, then I'm your guy, I guess, right? <laughs> so, so Lindsay would come on and he would get into the, like, like into the racing, right? And he would do some like really good, like analyzing, you know, analytics of the racing and the track and different stuff like that. And okay. we had him on four or five times. And so Paul lived in Colorado Springs. And we would just call in and like, we're like you and I are doing now yeah. and Lindsay would come on. And so, it, you know, we had him on and like, like a month later, he calls, he's all, Hey dude, um, would you guys be offended if I started a, 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 a radio broadcast, like a podcast? And we're like, no, dude, the more the merrier. Right. So Lindsay got Steve Mathis and they started it. Well, I don't think it was Pulp MX at first. I, I don't remember what it was. So him and Mathis started doing it. And then Mathis and Paul had a falling out and then Kenny Watson started coming on okay. and then Mathis and Watson, I'm sorry, Mathis and Paul had the show and Watson would come on. And I think Paul and Kenny had an issue. I don't remember, dude, I don't care. It's like petty bullshit, but um, it was funny because Mathis worked at trans world and he worked at racer X different times doing different things. And yeah. we would send out a press release to, um, Racer X and say, you know, hey, put it on their website, like on their, you know, their whatever, like, oh, tonight on MX Talk Radio, you have Justin Brayton and uh, Brock Tickle and special guest Weston Pike. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like shit like that. Right. And so we, um, we put them, we would send those out. And it seemed like, I'm not saying it happened, but it seemed like if Mathis was at Transworld, we would not get any love from Transworld, right? And but Racer X would put it on. And then when the switch, when he went to Racer X, then we would send it to Transworld and we would get posted. But on Racer X, we wouldn't. And right. so we always thought like, dude, he's like sabotaging us because he had a competing show. Dude, it was never a competition. Mathis is really good at what he does. I don't listen to a show just because, I don't know, I just don't. I don't right. have that kind of time to sit and listen to it. And so um, anyway, so there was a little bit of rivalry there. So then Paul Lindsay left, Kenny Watson went on. And then at one point Watson came to us because our listenership was up pretty freaking high. Like we were getting it somehow Verizon picked it up on their app, right? Okay. Like on podcasts. Yeah. And it was unbeknownst to us. We had no idea. And Steve started doing some analytics, like going to different platforms to put the show on just to get more listeners. And it was never about money because like I said, there was never any money we didn't do any advertisements. Our thing was, I want to be able to say whatever I want, be bound to no one about what I say about anybody else's stuff. I can say whatever I want. It, yeah. I'm just a fan that is just talking shit. You, you know what I mean? Right. 
And Steve was not in the industry and is kind of a self-made guy, has an extremely successful business. So he didn't give two shits. Like, he's like, dude, what, you know, like, yeah. bring it on. You yeah, know, here's a torch run with it. Exactly. Yeah. And so um, we did it for a long time and it was really cool, but it be, it started to become a job. Like Parts Unlimited didn't like that. You know, they didn't, they, I had to be careful what I said and, you know, I couldn't talk about, you know, they never told me I couldn't. They just told me to be careful what I say because I represent Thor and Parts Unlimited all the time because that's my job. right? Right. And so it just got, it got kind of muddy. And then we had Watson come on the show. We used to get, um, I don't know if you remember this dude named Ty Katie. Ty Katie's a badass. And he was a trainer and he trained Davalos and he trained um, um, Ketter and he had some other dudes, Davey Millsaps. And so Ty would come on and do like a little bit of a training segment with us. Okay. And then Ty started doing the show with Steve and then Watson and Ty were buddies. So Watson came to Ty. Watson came to us. We had, um, we had Watson on the show and Kenny was like, dude, you guys have a shitload of listeners because of this Verizon thing. He was done with Mathis at that point. And he's like, there is some sponsorship money for this. Like you could get some advertising money out of the show based on your, your, your downloads. Yeah. And we could, you could make like, like we were talking like, like high five figure, low six figure type of money to do like 10 shows. And I, I never was in it for the dough. Like right. even I were never in it for the dough and it just, it just kind of went away. You know, I mean, we had some cool shit. We had, I don't know if you remember, um, uh, Kyle Regal, there was like a big drama with Pellegrino or whatever his name was. I think it was like, we did this. We had a couple of episodes where we like broke some shit, yeah, like stirred the pot a like, little bit, broke some, stirred the pot big time and got a lot of people's attention. And that's when things started started going and it was it was a good time we had a lot of fun doing it but i never wanted to be a man in the pit you know what i mean like yeah, you don't want to be a bro i didn't want to be a bro and i yeah. didn't want to go over to villapoto's truck and like try to bro down with him like some of the other magazine guys like that's how you do it like the journalists right or i guess if that's what you want to call them yeah moto's super fickle it's not like football or baseball or basketball where like these guys are trying to break shit. Like they're trying to break a story and get as many listeners and watchers as they can. And if you broke something, like I've had many conversations with a lot of writers and some of the stuff that, and I'm, and I'm not the only one. There's tons of dudes out there like me yeah. that know, I'm not going to say dirt, but have like kind of dirt on dudes. I would never break it because if I did, you'd be like a leper. Nobody would touch you. You know what I mean? Like stay away from that dude. You can't trust him because he'll freaking burn you. And I just wasn't willing to be that guy. And Steve kind of wanted to be that guy because he dug the, 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 like the, the, I guess he dug the confrontation on the radio because it made for good radio. And, you know, we would sit at the show and in the studio and drink beers and drink IPAs and like do talk about different IPAs and different this. And there was a few shows where, dude, we got bombed. Like, we were hammered. <laughs> and we That's had awesome. Kevin Windham on one time, and he, Steve was, Flanders was so hammered 
that he like spilled the beer on the switchboard and cut him off. And it was just, it was an absolute train wreck. We had Dano there from DVS, yeah. who was a buddy of, of mine. And Dano came up, got K-Dub on the phone. There was a few writers that were like untouchable. We never had Carmichael until Watson brought him on. I had Villapoto on a couple of times because I knew, I knew Ryan when he was a kid. Yeah. And um, we didn't have those big dudes. Like it was just, we never had Chad Reed. Um, we had McGrath on one time and I was kind of starstruck with it. You know what I mean? Like I was like, dude, I'm talking to Jeremy McGrath, like my freaking moto hero. And I think we had Rick Johnson on what we had Roger DeCosta on like Roger DeCosta. I was like a stammering idiot. I'm like, dude, I'm <laughs> talking to Roger. I'm like, I'm talking to Roger DeCosta. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's awesome. Anyway, it was a good run, man. We had a good time with it. And so that's, uh, that's that's the MX Talk Radio story. I, I mean, yeah. we still do wish you, we did it. I was gonna say, do you look back and kind of? I mean, from what I've heard, Steve makes a pretty good income from the Pulp MX Nation. And the Pulp, I mean, he does a great job. He's he's been doing it for so long. Like you know, like he's been doing it. He started right around the same time you guys did, two thousand nine ish, two thousand ten, I think. And you know, he's one of the premier guys. You know, you got other guys like Main Event and um, DSMX yeah, and some, a couple other guys. But yep, um, it sounds like you guys are on the path to be like you know, one of the guys, but it seems I, like, I think, I think maybe we could have been, had we taken it more seriously and really tried to market it and do what Mathis has done, because I think pulp is badass. I mean, dude, he has got a ton of listeners. Yeah. I think he's, he does a good deal. His, in my opinion, again, I'm nobody dude. Admit it freely. It's too long. Like it's like some of his shows are like four hours. Like, I yeah, most saw, of them are over four. Yeah, I, I I listened to him for I think I've listened to him exactly three times. One time, the first time he was talking shit about Steve and I, Flanders and I, on on MX Talk Radio. So I listened to hear what it was he said. Yeah, and then um, I listened again for I can't remember, but the most recent was like a couple weeks ago. He had Don from Trans or not from Trans World, but from Swap Moto Live or whatever it is now. And this guy, Adrian, yeah, who owns Ride right Engineering, and yeah. there was some drama between them. And yeah. I know Adrian and I know Don, but I didn't know there was beef. And so I saw it on Vital because I go on Vital every day. You know, I'm still a Moto fan. I'm still a Moto head. Yeah. I just, it just doesn't encompass my, it doesn't engulf me anymore like it used to. And so I listened to it and I got on it. And Castle is there. You know, he's like his in guest co host or whatever. Yeah. And Charles is freaking badass. So, um, anyway, I was listening to it and it was, you know, but it, it was like two hours and 52 minutes into the show or whatever it was. And I'm like, holy shit, dude. Like we used to talk for two hours on our show and it, it was like labor intensive. And I know I'm talking a hundred miles an hour, but I'm trying to, you know, get as much in as I can because <laughs> I haven't done anything in a long time. But I mean, it was tough to talk shit for that long. and have something halfway interesting to talk about and we would do a recap and we would do some funny shit like we would take like audio snippets of ralph shaheen and jeff Emig, you know talking shit like this week in gay supercross and it would be like you know oh he slimmed it in the inside of tickle and yeah. you know like Just oh he like... put it in deep like <laughs> that kind of stuff and we started doing that dumb little funny things and or that we thought were funny. And it was always just about what entertained us. And it wasn't about what the masses wanted. And 
So do I wish we could have kept going? Nah, not really. I mean, it ran its course. I had fun yeah. with it. I was never, people didn't know who I was because like I said, dude, I was like a worker bee and I could stroll through the pits in a regular jacket, low pro and nobody, I had my friends, but nobody, oh, like that's the dude. Or, you know, right. like there's people, Mathis has kind of become a celebrity because of Pulp MX. Yeah, no, him, he dude. really is it, like, yeah, he, he goes places. Like, it's crazy. Like, you would have never yeah, thought. Yeah, and, and, and that's how he makes his living. I made my living working in the industry. Now I'm not in the industry. Do I still wish I did it? Nah, because I think my access would be limited, and we're irrelevant. And I just, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying where I'm at at this point, and the money outside of the moto industry is so much better it's ridiculous. And don't get me wrong. I'm not getting rich at RV right. components, but I mean, right. I make a great living. I get to be involved in the moto because we still talk to dudes. I mean, you know, I mean, I had, yeah. uh, Poto comes in periodically. Um, Jesse Nelson's been in, um, we, we deal with Jason Britton on not the motocross side of things, but on the sport bike side of things, we built vans for, Cole Seeley and we've done some really cool shit for a lot of really cool people. There's a few celebrities that I, you know, I, I won't name just because it's not really our style, but yeah. I mean, we, we do some really cool stuff for some really cool people. And, um, the moto guys, we don't do a lot of moto vans because a lot of the moto vans, we do moto vans for dudes that are, like older Dad, veterans. Yeah, like veterans. The older dudes because yeah. they have the money to do right. it. I'm not saying the younger guys don't. Right. But I mean, Ryan Villapoto, good dude. Talk to him all the time. More now than I ever did before when we sponsored him or before, but he's a different dude now. And yeah. I talk to him all the time. And he's like, you know, he, he has another shop in Phoenix build his van for him because yep. he gets an incredibly good deal on it. And the vans are gorgeous. Yeah, different style from what we do. I'm what what RB specializes in right now is that adventure camping van, and um, there's a lot of dudes out there who really they have the money. They, they it's they don't just ride moto. They ski or snowboard. They hike, climb, whitewater raft, mountain bike, road bike. They've got an all-purpose van, and they want to be able to take this van and go off the grid for days or weeks on end, yeah. and we build a vehicle that does that. It doesn't have all the fancy lights and the recessed toolboxes and limo-style seating inside. Our vans are durable, rugged, and you know, built, built for somebody who's yeah. going to use their purpose-built. Yep. So it's a really cool – like, honestly, it's a really cool gig, man. I, I – I really enjoy where I work, who I work for. Raymond Barry is the owner. I've known him um, when I was at EVS. I met him in Ponca City um, in like 2000-ish, somewhere like right around there. And he was selling stuff. He was a jet ski guy, a really good jet ski racer and freestyle guy. and um, Or not freestyle, but like big wave free rider. And we just kind of like he's dude i'm i'm 51 years old raised 38 i think okay. so when i met him he was still like a teenager but he was a fabricator dude you know what i mean like he okay. built cool shit yeah. and 
built cabinets for trailers and different kind of oil holders and fuel can holders and paper towel racks that dudes like me wanted in their race trailers. And, um, we became friends. Like they, they were vending next to me at, at Ponca and it was his parents and him because they helped him bring all the stuff out. And, um, it just kind of went from there. And then he got in with some of the moto dudes and because he was in the jet ski world. So he had some connections and his shop was down the street from Yamaha. So he built a lot of stuff for Yamaha. We've done a ton of stuff for Troy Lee for Fox. Yeah. Both Fox head and Fox tail. Right. Yeah. Bicycle for, and the moto, which they are by, different. B- b- yeah, for moto think they're and, the same, but and, they are different. No suspension. Like we're, we're building some stuff right now for Fox for the suspension side of things. Yeah. And, um, it's it's pretty cool, man. It it it's a it's some there's some really cool vans that get built. There's a lot of thought that goes into them in the design process and the thought process of how you're going to use it. And um, Ray was building parts for some of the other van builders, like up in the Pacific Northwest and like in California, yeah. up Northern California, and was building some parts. But he wanted to sell the parts, and so he lived coincidentally we lived i moved into his neighborhood and we lived across the street from each other this fast forward like 10 years after we met right right and my wife and i bought a house in his neighborhood and we became even better friends and he he would watch me come and go from uh from from traveling like where are you going this week i'm like oh dude i'm going to freaking the east coast for a week or going to florida i'm gonna be gone and he would be like you know he was always like dude, how do you do it and raise your kids? And I'm like, I got a badass wife who, who freaking holds shit down while I'm gone. And right. you know, we got to have the money and whatever. So he just kept grinding on me. Like, dude, come work for me. Come work for me. And I was always hesitant to work for somebody that I knew like a friend. And I was at parts, I was in Europe and at, at an, at a, at Intermont show. And it just, things weren't just going that great for me. And I had seen him before I left and I called him and I go, Hey man, I called him. I was in Germany, like literally. And I had a bad day with, you know, some of the people at parts and I'm just like, you know what? I'm done with this shit. And I called him and I'm like, Hey, what's going on? He's like, Hey, where the hell are you? I thought you're out of town. I'm like, dude, I'm in Germany. Like get out of here. What's up? And I go, Hey, were you serious about that job offer? He's like, hell yeah. I go, let's do it. Yeah. So I got back and next thing you know, we put things together. You know, that was like in November, September, October, maybe. And then by January 1st, I was at RB and, and I'm general manager. And so I run things for the most part, like our parts, sales and accessories. I do all of that. Okay. Um, all of our online stuff. I'm in charge, you know, say in charge. I handle all of the sales side of things. The van build, Ray is still he still controls that. Like that's his, it's his shop. It's his vision. He builds the vans. We design parts. We make the parts and to legitimize those parts, we build vans. So we build vans that we want to build. You know, there's guys that come to us that want to have a van built and maybe you don't get that warm, fuzzy feeling from them. Or you feel like maybe this guy's going to be kind of a pain because you know, his expectations or right. he's not clear on the things that he wants. And I can see this being a problem down the road. Nah, we're not interested in building your van. And so it's, it's been pretty cool to pick and choose. And, you know, the sprinter scene since COVID has hit, it has absolutely exploded. And I know everybody yeah. talks shit on sprinter vans, but I'll tell you what, man, 
I sold my Ford van. No, dude, and, that, that uh, industry is killing it right now. Like it's crazy. It is trip. It is it is absolutely exploded to the point where it's almost comical to come in and just it's like you got to be shitting me. How how are we going to get all these orders out of here? And we're a small company, you know. I mean, yeah. we got twenty five people, and like basically fifteen of them build vans and the then I've got like six dudes in the warehouse that are assembling parts and packing orders and shipping them. And then there's four of us, five of us in the office. And I just, I hired a new kid, this uh, kid, Nick Serrano, who came from Fox that I've known for a long time. And Nick is fitting in really well. Like he is a huge help to us and super good and knowledgeable and gets it. And it's, it's, you know, business is, business is good. Um, we don't see, you know, it's hard to forecast because you never know. But yeah. right now you can't get a Mercedes Sprinter van. And, um, until probably September, a four wheel drive, you can buy a two wheel drive or a gas one. But if you want a four wheel drive diesel, it's going to be August or September. So we're booking out builds for September, October, November. You, you know what crazy. I mean? Like that's how far ahead we have to look. So yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, I mean the vans aren't cheap too. Like by the time you buy a van and then have you guys build it, you're you're in six figures for sure. Um, but they're they're bitching. Yeah, man, they're they they do they do everything. You yeah. know, I mean we don't do bathrooms. There's no black tanks and gray tanks. Right. It, it, we have fresh water that dumps on the ground or can dump through a plumbing, you know, a series of plumbing valves and whatnot. So you could dump it into like a drain, like a you know, if you're at a campground or something. But most people that drive them are very, you know, they're very green friendly. They're not eco Nazis, you know, but they're they're conscious of what they're dumping on the ground. Like, right. you're not cleaning a greasy filter, cleaning parts in your van. If you are, you have a tank for that. But if you're going to wash your hands, that water dumps on the ground. People use biodegradable soap. Toilets, it's a cassette. So, you know, you have to dump that at a proof station, you know, down the road or when it gets full. But I mean, they make their own power. They make their own heat. They have, you know, their solar panels up top, the battery system. It's a pretty amazing, pretty amazing process. I mean, it it takes about anywhere from eight to 12 weeks to build a a complete van. And uh, cost on a van can run anywhere from $60,000 to $75,000 for the van. And a build can start at 30 and we just recently finished a build for a guy in the Midwest who said money's no object. I mean, we put a hundred and like $85,000 into a build in the van and it's got 5g and Wi-Fi and, and you know, extenders and huge lithium battery banks and 12 volt air conditioners. Like it's an amazing vehicle, right? Way more than I would, First of all, way more than I could afford, (laughs) but that I would ever need. You know what I mean? Like for me right now, it's all about simplicity. We got rid of the motorhome. We got rid of the toy hauler. We got rid of all the dirt bikes. And now it's just mountain bikes and freaking surfing. Then that's pretty much it. Yeah. So just simple and easy. Keep it simple, bro. Yeah. I like it. So for you, like, what do you think is the biggest difference? You know, like the moto industry, of course, she's going to be, you know, glamour and all that with the, the lights and everything. But these adventure vans are getting huge, huge turnouts for like expos and stuff. Like when you go to adventure expo and you go to Eichma, like do you see the the money getting bigger in the adventure world, like 
to where you're getting more vendors and more people? Because you guys, like you said, you, you sell a lot of stuff to other people that are making vans, but do you see that market just blowing up more and just seeing more distributors you, and stuff? Well, you do. And, and it's, it's interesting because what we've seen is that there's RV components, like we're a licensed manufacturer, okay? Because we built trailers and we built trailers for the movie industry, like these seven room bathroom trailers with all this stuff. And, yeah. and it's, um, so we're a manufacturer. I can take the title of your 2017 Sprinter van. I can build it and put in as long as it's like, a, like there's like five things that make it a motorhome, right? It's got to have self-contained power. It's got to have self-contained water. It's got to have a cooktop. It's got to have a heater. You know what I mean? It's got to have like these five, this checklist. Okay. So once it does that, I can take that title and I could register it and change the title designation to an RB components build and make it a 2021. Keeping in mind, I'm not changing the VIN or anything yeah. like that. But I mean, as far as registration goes, so now you could go out and finance it on your own, not through me, and finance it as a motorhome. So you could get five year or uh, a ten year, fifteen year loan on it or whatever. So okay. we have that ability. We don't do it often, right? But it is a possibility. it is something that we can do. Okay, That's crazy. Um, and then there's and then there's upfitters, and upfitters are guys that. There's a lot of dudes out there that, hey, I was a general contractor. I made cabinets. And they take and they go in and they, they build a van like they would build a house. And so, you know, if I, were, if I were throwing around advice to anybody looking at doing the adventure van thing, don't use household stuff. Don't use fiberglass insulation. Don't use Romex for your electrical. Don't use wood to build a wall or to do that kind of stuff because – a, a metal van going down the road moves and shakes, right? It's, it's a rolling earthquake. Yeah. And everything we do is aluminum or steel, okay? We put in steel reinforcements on the walls that don't impact, like, the crumple zone, like, in the C-pillar, which is behind the slider, that, which is where the van's designed to pivot. So we don't do things like that so that the van stays flexible, but we put in aluminum components and aluminum cabinetry, and we do plywood walls, but everything breaks at that seam. So that the van stays flexible. There's a lot of guys out there that build these gorgeous vans. I see them on Instagram all the time. And I'm like, damn, dude, look at that thing. I mean, he's got travertine shower and tile backsplash around his sink and stove. Yeah. Go down a dirt road five times and, and drive on a Southern California road or go down to Mexico. Dude, tile's going to be popping off the walls. You, you know what I mean? Like, they look good if it's a highway queen, but if you want something rugged and durable, there's some builders out there that are legit, us being one of them. Right. And so we do sell our stuff to upfitters that build stuff, but yeah. there's not a lot of companies out there that are like in the moto industry where there's a distributor that's going to carry all these parts. The parts are expensive. You never know who's going to come knocking on your door. You know what I mean? Like, I can't go through a list of people and call them and try to upsell them on stuff. People call us that are building a van and people still like right now with the way things are going is people want to go on vacation, but they don't want to stay in a resort. They don't want to take a cruise. They don't want to fly. So they're investing their dollars, their vacation dollars into something that they can use anytime they want. And it can become a daily driver for somebody if you don't go crazy with the bills. Right. And so um, if you keep it simple and 
you know, kind of do it that way. I, I, I just recently got a sprinter. I mean, a few months ago and I'm in the middle of a build for myself. And yesterday I sat in my driveway, I'm installing these bucket seats in the back and I'm, and I'm thinking about, it, I'm like, okay, so I got to put the seat in the right position so I can put my dirt bike in. Yeah. And, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, wait a minute, I don't even have a dirt bike. I borrow one from a buddy of mine um, <laughs> who has ridden it in years. And so I'm like, so I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, so I got to put the seat in the right spot. So I put a dirt bike in, but I got to have mountain bikes. But if I put the seat too close, I can't get in and out of the slider with an ice chest or totes or bins or whatever. But if I put it too far back, it won't fit the bike. So I was talking to Ray on the phone and I'm like, dude, what do I do? And he goes, put the seat where it goes back far of the slider. How many times do you go ride dirt bike? I'm like, I've ridden like five times in the last few months because I borrowed this bike. But before that, it had been like two years since I'd ridden. So he's like, seriously, how often do you ride? I'm like, yeah, you're right. Just put the seat where it's supposed to go. You, 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 I, I tell people on the phone, like build it for 80% of the time, not 20. So okay. 80% of the time that you're going to use it, build it for what you're going to use it for. The 20%, you just kind of make, you make it work for you because yeah. 80% of the time you're going to use it a different, a different way. So anyway. Yeah. And that's kind of what you told me. Like when I came and visited you before a one, um, a couple of years ago, you're like, the walls are cool, but dude, like just leave them open, like do this, do that. I'm like, okay, like that makes sense. Um, yeah. just more, um, to where it's easy to more accessible, it, it, it more accessible. Flows. Yeah. It, and, and so if you're, if you're a moto dad and you've got a truck and a, your wife's got a suburban or whatever, and your kids, and you're taking this on the weekends instead of hauling a fifth wheel or a big motor home, you put a wall up, make a garage, put a lounge in the front, put a moto, put a wall, put, you know, moto in the back yeah. and you make it a race van. Okay. If you're, if this is a multi-purpose vehicle, you don't put a wall up because what if this becomes your primary? You need to run to Home Depot and pick up some two by fours, or you need to haul something else that's not going to fit with this moto wall in it. Like, don't put a wall in. And uh, it's just my opinion. But yeah, man, you see some stuff that people do, and you're like, dude, what were you thinking? Like, holy shit! Like, wow, this thing, this thing's like a rolling disaster. So they get heavy just, too. Like when you put a bunch of shit in them, they start to get heavy. You do, and and part of the reason why we use aluminum is to keep the weight down so you can max out your load capacity with bikes and gear and fuel and tires and all that stuff and not on 2000 pounds worth of two by four and plywood cabinets and all this stuff. You, my cabinets weigh like 18 pounds and they'll hold a couple hundred pounds. If you, if you mount them correctly to the wall and they don't make noise, they don't rattle. It, it's just, it's just cool. I mean, it, it really is. It's a cool industry. I think it's still on the upward climb right now. Okay. And I think it will be for a while. Um, just like you, you're a great person to talk to. I mean, what have you seen in the shops that you frequent? How is how are, how are sales? Yeah, I mean, everybody knows that this industry, the power sports industry has just been blowing up. It's, you know, inventory is tough to get. It's one of those things yep. where you, you're just scraping for pennies every time you walk into a shop, just trying to look for things like, hey, like, okay, you're out of this. You know, maybe we don't have in this, but let's see if we have another brand. So you're just always constantly and, and looking for stuff to sell. Exactly. Because it's just, you're, you just never know what's in but, stock. But it's a crazy world right now because where's all the money coming from? Yeah. And so with, with these vans, I mean, people – my friend Steve that I did the radio show with. So Steve is in the, the, the truck restoration business, like pickup, 
Okay. okay. He owns, he owns a company. It's like the largest Chevy truck. Like if you're building a 1947 to like 91, it used to be 47 to 87. And now I think they bumped it to like that, whatever new generation of Chevys, whatever. And it's, his thing is, is he's like, people have these projects that they bought like an old Chevy truck, right? And it's been sitting in the side yard or in the garage for 10 years. And people always say, well, when I have the time, I'm going to get to it. And they've already mentally spent the money to get it to where they want. So right now with COVID, you have the time. That's the thing is people have the time now and they've already spent the money. So they just like, I'm going to finish this project. Like I'm going to see it through. There's nothing like a half done project. So they just keep spending the money and it's the same thing on a van. Like you start this project, you've got to finish it. So you scrape, borrow, beg, plead, whatever to get the money to finish it. And it's, it's crazy. And outdoor, anything outdoor right now is huge. Power sports, like you said, bicycles, freaking camping, kayaking, surfing, man, it's nuts. I have a friend that's a surfboard maker and he's like, dude, I've never experienced anything like this in my 35 years of making boards. So crazy. Did you ever think e-bikes would be inside uh, power sport dealerships? (laughs) No, I didn't, but uh, I, yeah, I was, that was one of my, that was one of my big ones at Thor was. I pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed for the mountain bike side of things, not e-bike, but for yeah, just mountain bike apparel. Does, yeah. Why does Thor not do mountain bike apparel? Fox does, Fly does, Alpine Stars does. Parts sells Maxima and you know uh, all these different manufacturers that yeah. make parts for bicycles, right? Yeah, they have and, a bicycle catalog. Maxi- we do. They do. Maxi- Everybody's got a bicycle catalog. Yeah. So I pushed and pushed and pushed. And finally, it came down from like the owner of parts, like, drop it. It's never going to happen. I mean, I had a business plan. I had everything lined up. I mean, not, I hadn't talked to companies because I didn't want to overstep my, you know, my, my right. bounds. But yeah. like, it's like, dude, look, we, we, we sell this, we sell this, we sell this, we sell this, we sell this. They all make mountain bike stuff or cycling. So, we could get this and get that and get this and get that. And then with Thor, we could do shorts and we could do knee pads and we could do stuff like that. And they're like, never going to happen ever, never in a million years. Stop asking. In fact, if you bring it up again, we're going to have a problem. So I had to drop it. And then fast forward like five, six, seven years. Now they got a deal going on with intense, which I think is pretty cool because I think the motorcycle shop needed something else. Because you know as well as I do, before this COVID thing happened, things were kind of, you know, kids today are not, they're into experiences. Like they rent a dirt bike, go ride it and go, yeah, I rode a dirt bike and it was awesome. And the next month they want to go hang gliding or they want to go whatever, they can wakeboarding or they want to do something. So they have a different interest next month or in six months or whatever. And they're not buying these long lasting like I'm not diving into moto head, you know, head over heels into this. That's not a lifelong passion for me because their interests change because of that stupid thing they carry around in their pocket that we all do. Luckily, yep. I still have a flip phone, so I don't have that problem. <laughs> you know, oh, <laughs> dickhead. No, I yeah, calling me out on my phone. Your green, your green texts kill me. You need to get on the, your wife's level and get the blue for sure, dude. I don't want to hear it. I'm, <laughs> I'm. Yeah, not happening. So, but I mean, for but you, yeah, like, dude, that's, you think with 
with the industry in the spinner worlds and the moto world, I mean, what's what's been the biggest struggle you think just going just gaining from here, like let's say five years from now, do you think the power sports industry will either go flat and you think the sprinter world will like do you what do you think? Well, like it, what do you what do it you would see? Be do, you really think more, do you think more people have crossover? Like you think there'll be more and more crossover? Well, I I mean, honestly, I think it's I think it's a tough comparison, to be honest with you. Like I, I I'm not smart enough to make that comparison, really. You know? Yeah. Um, but what I what I do see with the the state of the world right now, and I, I'm not talking politics or anything like that. That's another conversation. But yeah. just the way things are going with COVID, and whether you believe it or you don't, the bottom line is is the world has officially changed. The way we do things is now completely different, right? Yep. So I think there is going to be a push from here on out for more. I mean. Being in the van world, okay, and being and having done this now, being in the van world for four years, up until March of last year, like it was normal shit, right? And then in March, the world got set upside down, and for a number of months, nobody did anything. But we saw the sprinter side of things increase significantly because people were like, "Shit, I got to build a bug out vehicle." I mean, maybe it wasn't really a bug out, but they wanted to control their environment. So where I'm going with this is. I think you're going to see more people want to spend more time outdoors. I think power sports will continue to climb. Okay. But I think the writing is on the wall. I just saw something. I don't know. It's probably on some bullshit Facebook feed. Right. But that Oregon has just announced that they're going to ban or boycott the sale of diesel starting in 2024. Okay. Oh shit. So, Obviously, that's going to impact my business directly because Sprinter vans are diesel, right. and and they're making a gas model. But the diesel is a better it's a better better vehicle. But what's it going to do for long haul truckers for farmers? You know, they're going to be and and it's, they're not going to ban the sale of they're going to ban the retail. So if you're a trucker, you can go to a place and you can a truck stop and you can get diesel, right? Or if you're a yeah. farmer and your tractors are diesel, you can get diesel supplied to you. But they're not going to sell it at service stations is the way I read it. And maybe I misunderstood it, but that's what I read in 2024. So I, I think if the motorcycle world doesn't, I think people have to be more responsible with where they ride and how they ride. I think noise is an issue. I think people tearing shit up, you know, I mean, there's always, and I think most people genuinely are responsible and do the right thing, but there's always those assholes that screwed up for everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the e-bike side of things. I see that here in California because I'm, because I have a, a couple of like the, you know, the specialized e-bikes, the, the Levos okay. and they've limited where we can go use them. And it's bullshit because it's not like there's a throttle that you twist. that's going to tear up the dirt. It, I think it's actually a good thing because what I think is happening is you're seeing more dudes like me that are 50 years old, not in the best physical shape that I've ever been in. You know what I mean? Like I'm not a huge, you know, big guy, but I mean, yeah. I'm certainly not a fit dude where I was 25 years ago. You ain't no and athlete so is what you're it, saying. <laughs> I ain't no athlete anymore. Let's put it that way, dude. It hurts to get out of bed from motorcycles my whole life. And so the thing is, is it, it's, it's putting me outside and it, it's giving me the ability to go out and buy a new helmet or new shoes or new shorts. So I'm spending money. I'm spending money on the bicycle. Yeah. I'm I'm involved in the trail system, 
and I, I try to volunteer and to do things to go out and like, oh, trail work. Okay. Yeah. I should do my part. Like no dig, no ride. You, you know what I mean? Type of thing. And I'm not saying I do that very often. I've done it exactly once, but I mean, I still try yeah, to trying, do my yeah. part and I, yeah. I try to be responsible. But then some of the trails I go ride on, there's dudes out there on these like e-bikes. And I think Segway is making one where it's like, goes 30 miles an hour you twist the throttle and it just rips right and you see these guys poaching these trails and i'm not saying guys do it I mean, there are dudes that do it on dirt bikes but in california especially like there's so many restrictions it so sucks out here but right. in different places people have to be responsible we have to come up with the industry as a whole i think has to come up with some you know a plan to move forward to make sure that motorcycles are not outlawed and that we don't go to just full electric bikes because i think that's i don't know man i i just can't i can't picture a world where you don't hear that two-stroke revving or a four-stroke you know i mean i used to when four strokes came out it's like oh jesus great you know, you know what i mean but now yeah. it's just the norm and we've accepted it and it's all good i remember when they went from the 125 and 250 class to the 250 and the 450 it's like i'm never calling the 125 class the 250 class and now it's the 250 class it's, you know yeah, just by normal, nature yeah. that's just what it's yeah. just normal I so mean, it's crazy to think the transitions that have happened over the years. Like everybody, you, it? You, you, I think it's one of those things where it just catches you off guard too, where you don't even think about it. Like I just said, like I just mentioned, like ten years ago, I would have never thought e-bikes would be in a in a dirt bike dealership. You know what I mean? Never. And if you would, if you'd never. asked the owner, like, "Hey, you want to put bicycles in here?" They would have been like, "Get out of my store! <laughs> like, just leave." Well, but <laughs> you know what? Chaparral Motorsports did it like in 2013 or 2014. And, you know, you've got arguably one of the largest motorcycle retailers in the whole world, okay, yeah. that put a 20,000, 30, eh, it was probably, I'm exaggerating, it is probably 10,000, 12,000 square foot section of their store into bicycles, okay? Mm -hmm. No e-bikes, but, you know, KTM, they had KTM bikes in there, they had Cannondale in there, they had Trek in there, they had um, Ibis and some of these other bitch and high-end brands, like boutique style. And people didn't like, they did okay with it, but it yeah. didn't really go well. And that was during my push to parts to like, Hey, let's do this. And, um, they were like, no, because look at what happened to Dave Dameron at Chaparral. He put in all invested hundreds of thousands of dollars into this and it failed and he's getting rid of all of it. I'm like, yeah, okay. Point made. But now fast forward seven years, eight years. And, yeah, dude, who would have thought, and, and more importantly, Trip, who would have thought that you could sell a freaking electric bicycle for freaking eight or nine or 10 or $11,000 yeah, and have people buying them? Yeah. Like struggling it, to get your hands on them buying them. You can't. Yeah. I mean, shit, I saw a picture on Instagram the other day or on Facebook of Chaparral Motorsports again, and I'm, I don't work for Chaparral, but I mean, yeah, but that's like know, the biggest yeah, you know store, for right? A while. Yeah. And so you go in there and they've got like 25 motorcycles in a 200,000 square foot freaking motorcycle retail shop. You know what I mean? Like that's it. It used to be, you couldn't walk through that place without snagging a handlebar or foot peg. And now there's like 25 bikes on the whole floor and they're all like Ninja 250. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like shit that nobody's going to buy. And so it, it just blows my mind what people are doing and how they're spending their money. But Man, they're spending it, and as far as I'm concerned, you got to do everything you can to get it. Because who knows if the Sprinter craze is going to last another five years? I mean, if they really do ban diesel, 
it's going to cause a problem for the sprinters because the cool thing about the diesel is we have this heater system that draws diesel out of the fuel tank and it, it, it fires this heater system that blows hot air into the van. So now you have a heated vehicle, not like a heater from the car, but like a separate heater unit that you can set a thermostat and it runs all day and all night. And so it's diesel is non-combustible. It doesn't explode. So if you do that with gasoline, is it safe? Well, I, I think there's there's companies that make gasoline style heaters. But I mean, I don't know if I want to put it in my van. Right. What if you're sleeping at night and there's a leak and something happens and you wake up to a freaking towering inferno and like, nah, I'll pass. So it, that would impact the Sprinter business, the custom van building business um, for what we do from the moto side of things. We still get moto guys. I mean, we've still got guys that email me every week, like, "Hey, man, I'm interested in doing a moto build." Yeah, you bet. That's this is what we do. Yeah. My calendar. I, I'm. Do you have a van? No, but I'm buying this. Okay, cool. Yeah, we can build that. We only work on sprinters. We don't do the transit or the promaster. We're sprinter only, um, for the most part. Yep. But uh, but you there's get, some. You get- accessories you can get you can put benches in there and you can get yeah, the, cabinets my benches and, like i like you have yeah. they, they're they're universal right like they'll right. fit in any type of vehicle van or trailer um because there's still a lot of dudes that i mean in the last couple of weeks I, it, i've seen like an increase on hey i want to turn my standard 24 foot enclosed trailer i'm building a bathroom and i'm putting water tanks and i need a couch and i'm putting a refrigerator and i need batteries and you know, I'm going to turn this into like a living quarter so we can take this and go up to the Sierras or go out to the desert and stay for four or five days, ride our motorcycles or ride our side by side and, and go from there. So yeah. it's, it, you still see it. It's just not as, it's not as much as it, it was at one time. Like that's what drove us for the longest time were trailer parts and sales. And now it's vans and it's badass. I mean, I love van nerding out. It's crazy. I turned into a van nerd. I, dude, I'm the same way. That, like when I got mine, like you just Google everything and kind of see what you can do and see how you put the bikes in. And there's just so much. You can get so creative with them. Just that's the cool thing is the creativity, and you can kind of almost yeah, draw, absolutely. draw a new every, canvas. Absolutely, and everybody does. Like your idea of a van is different than mine, and you can right. build it that way. And I don't have all the parts for your van, but I sell parts that will work in your van, and so. We sell a lot of that stuff. And there are some guys out there that are competitors of ours in those segments, you know, like that build the door cabinets and, and uh, the oil and fuel can holders and stuff like that. Yeah. The cool thing for us is, and, and it's something that I'm proud of, um, and I know Ray is, is that everything we have that we make that has our name on it is made 100% in the USA. So it does cost a little bit more. This stuff's not inexpensive. Right. Um it, oh, the custom fabrication is very time consuming. Time is money. We're in Southern California. So rent is high. Electricity is high. Liability insurance is high. Workers comp insurance is high. Wages are high. You know what I mean? Like right. it's all expensive. And so we have to, we have to offset that. We have to offset those, those costs into the cost of our goods. And, you know, I get people all the time, like, dude, your stuff's too expensive. You know, d- describe too expensive. I mean, there was a time like in the early 2000s when everything was coming out of China, right? right. And it's like, that, that product sucks. That's all right. I can buy five of them. So when it breaks, I'll just throw it away and I'll get another one. 
why not invest the money into one good one that's going to last for a long time? And that's been Ray's mentality at RB is, dude, I'm not going to put my name on shit. It's got to be a good product. And so it's something that I can stand behind. And it's something that I've become proud of because we build a premium ass product. We charge a premium ass price, right? but it's, it's You're not going to get a cool, phone call a year later saying, dude, this thing broke or six months or whatever. Like, no, you, you really yeah. don't. And that's, and that's, what's cool is, is it, in, in, in my time at RB, you know, we average like two to three vans a month. There are some other builders out there that are, that are building 10, 15, 20 vans a month. That's cool, man. Go for it. Yeah. I am picky and choosy as to who we build for and how we build them. So we build two or three vans a month. I've been there for four years or over four years now. And, um, I mean, do four, if we're, if we're doing, if we're doing three, sometimes we're pumping out four vans. It depends on the build itself. Um, you know, we're building 40 vehicles a year. Yeah. We've built a hundred and 150, 160 vans in the last four years. And before I was there, Ray was cranking them out, you know, before, long before I was there. So there's, there's, 400 vans that are RB built running around the country. And it's always a testament to the quality when you see somebody bring a van in that was built in like 08, right? And they come in and you're like, whoa, dude, look at this stuff. Like the control panel, the switches, the inverter, the batteries are, I mean, there's been 15 revisions since that thing was done, but they still work. You know what I mean? Like they still freaking work and it's still on the road and people are like, dude, I love this van. It's the best thing I ever did. And it's badass. I think more people, I think if more people spent time in a van, there would be more van sales. Like I, I, especially dudes that are in our world that are moto or mountain bike or surfers. And my kids don't moto. And that was my choice. Like I kind of took it away from them but they were into stick and ball sports, which provided a completely different set of opportunities for them with college and things like that through scholarships. But my, my point being is now they surf and they ride mountain bikes. So they are constantly, dad, we're taking the van, we're going to the beach and they can go to the beach and load up, take their friends, go down there. They can change inside. They can close the doors, turn on the fan, turn on the lights and they can kick back and chill or go super early with the heater on when it's cold, have some nice, you know, have, have uh, some warm coffee or, you know, sit and drink some coffee and then go paddle out and then come back in. And it's, you know, it's nice. It, yeah. It's, it's a chill it's area. Yeah. That's how it is for me. Like so, ever since I got my van, like it's just, it's a whole new world. Like you almost regret not having one. Like I don't see myself never having a van now. It's, there's such a good, a tool to have at your, at your disposal. Like everything they, they you really go are, somewhere it, it, and you don't have to worry about nothing. Perfect- like it's cool. Yep. It's a perfect vehicle in my opinion. Like yeah. I, I really say that. And the funny thing is, is like my kid, my, my youngest is getting his license on month. Uh, I think on Friday, he gets his driver's license on Friday. And so he's like, dad, I want a van. I'm like, dude, here's the deal. No self-respecting father of a daughter is going to let their daughter <laughs> date a dude who drives a van. Like, Luckily, I have two boys. I have two dicks to worry about, not 2,000. You know yeah. what I mean? But if I had a daughter, there is no freaking way that she would date a dude that drives a van. Like, <laughs> not happening because you know what's going on in there. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I mean, and the thing is, too, what sucks for 
for you, like, I don't have kids, but for you, like, if you had daughters, like, you, you came up in an era where, like, moto dudes and mm-hmm. chicks are just, <laughs> it's, it's a whole different world. Dude, it was world. a different world, man. <laughs> yeah, it's I, a whole I, different I am, world. It was a totally different world. Like, I remember some trips to Havasu with some dudes yeah. that were moto guys that there were some shenanigans, like, shit that you're just like, whoa, I'm so thankful there were no cell phones, video cameras, social media, because there'd probably be dudes in jail. You, you know what I mean? Like yeah. straight up, like there was shit that went down and moto think about it. Like until Ricky came along with the training, these dudes party, you know, oh, after yeah. the race, I mean, you know, McGrath was not like crazy gnarly partier. I mean, I can't say that I know Jeremy, like I know him, but they had a, they had a good time. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, they had a really good time that guys today can't get away with. And it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of good, but at the same right. time, it's kind of bad. You know I mean? That rock and roll lifestyle, it just doesn't exist anymore. You know what I mean? Social media has completely changed the landscape and you know, I don't know. I, I I'm glad I grew up when I grew up seventies and eighties. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's scary way, to see what way be better. The next 20 years for me is going to be like, it's, it's gonna be nuts. Um, so when are you? When are you gonna knock out some kids, bro? When, no, when's that dude, we're good. You? We're good. You good? Yeah, you we're good. good. Caleb, it, Caleb, put the foot down. Yeah, it's it's both. We kind of just the, the world's kind of crazy, and my dad's bummed. Like he wants a grandkid so bad. I'm like, dude, you live in California. Like, what are you gonna do with it? Like, you're never gonna see it. Like, calm down. So yeah, exactly. But the world's just so nutty. Like you know, I I have friends that are on Instagram and stuff. And then of course they love their kids. Everybody loves their kids. It's it's a life changing experience. But it's just like. If I had to deal with what people are going through right now, school and all that, just all the Dude, drama, like it's, I just, it, I couldn't tough, handle it with work and stuff. It's just like, man, well, I travel so much too. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. for me, that's the other no, thing. Absolutely. It's kind of selfish. Like I love traveling. Like, you know, we were just gone at Monster two weeks ago and I leave for Mill Creek this weekend. And it's yeah. so it's, I'm still young no, too. Cool. You know and, what I mean? And, so. And you are, and, and you're young and you can enjoy it. And it's, it's, it's a good experience. And it's one that you will always, no matter how long you're in it for, you yeah. always look back and you'll go, dude, it was worth it. You know what I mean? And I look back on it and I'm like, yeah, it was a hundred percent worth it. There's some things that I would have changed. I would have put my foot down in some situations with travel and things like that, that are like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it because I did, you know, my kid played, my oldest played in the, uh, Little League World, not Little League World Series, but it was like Travel Ball World Series in Cooperstown, New York. And I was at a Parts Unlimited event and I had to leave and miss a lot of it. And it, it kind of breaks my heart because I missed a really important part of his life. And I was there, but I wasn't there for the end. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, And it it sucks and I regret it. But at the same time, I had to freaking put food on the table you know what i mean like right. I'm, I'm not a soul we're not a soul income house but i mean it it's it, it anyway it, it just sucked and my wife's a teacher and so right. she's like an administrator with the high school district so she does very well and luckily you know you know what i mean like the two together it, it has provided a, a great it, you know i mean it's provided great living whatever but the cool thing about the moto is my kids grew up with kids coming and staying at my house. Tiger Lacey used to come and stay at my house. Rest his soul. Josh Little used to come and stay here. Adam Chatfield used to come and stay here. Kevin Rookstool used to come and stay here. I mean, Scott Simon, kids that I never had like 
Chad Reed and Ryan Villapoto. Yeah, but those dudes were Travis bad dudes. Like, they were badass dudes. But, yeah. But these guys were like grinder privateers that needed the help. And it's like, yeah, dude, just come park your shit in front of my fucking house. And, you know, Tommy Hoffmaster used to park his freaking rig in my cul-de-sac at my old house and leave it there for like three weeks between arena cross schedule and different stuff like that. And so my kids grew up with having these guys around and it's cool. You know what I mean? Like it was a yeah. cool experience for them. And it's, those are good. All those guys that I mentioned are good people, hardworking, crazy wild. But I mean, right. that's being a moto dude. Like you have to be like that if you're going to be a moto guy, because you have to be able to, it's funny. Most of the moto dudes that I know that are really fast are chill. Like yeah. life slows down for them so they can go fast and see it at regular speed where when you and I go really fast, everything's like fucking like on, you're on the edge. Right. <laughs> like an <arm> pump. <laughs> and so, Oh yeah, totally. And these guys are just like resting heart rates, like freaking 40 or something stupid. Yeah. And my resting heart rates like 65 because I'm a freaking fat guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah. Yeah. and anyway, no, and I, I, think that, I, I think that's our. I think that's our industry too. Is like all of us younger guys always had like an older figure in our lives. You know what I mean? That took us riding, yep. or or had the house with you know, and had the a wife that would make us dinner and and whatnot. So it's it's pretty crazy. Even though we all are different caliber of riders, but it's just like every. It's just I think that's what's cool about our sport. It doesn't matter if you're 12 or if you're 30. We all have the same passion. Um, and it kind of exactly pretty cool. So I don't know. No, it, it, it. It, it, it's a passion driven. It, it's certainly a passion driven industry. I mean, yeah, you know, people do they invest their life savings in the moto and, and I just, like I said, I mean, for me, I, I turned my kids onto it when they were young and they progress to a point where it's like, Hey, we want to race. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I, right. I, I don't know. I, I, I still have, and this is kind of weird, and some people may think this is super weird, but I mean, I can go through my phone, and there's probably four dudes' numbers that I have in my phone that are no longer with us, and I won't delete them, because if I do, I feel like I'm deleting them from my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, people that I would used to talk to, and, and I'll say Brett Klein was one of them, Josh Lickle was another one of them, Chris Palmer was one of them. Um, uh, uh, now, now, I mean, and, and I won't remove them from my phone because I feel like I'm like, I would be dismissing them. Yeah. And so I saw these kids that were kids when I was in my thirties that were all in, you know what I mean? And, and things didn't happen or they're paralyzed. Ricky James and people like that, that, that I knew that are not doing this anymore are, are either are not with us or are, are paralyzed or yeah, are permanently injured. It. Yeah. And I just couldn't, my kids were not that passionate about it. And so the drive was, came from me and I just didn't think that it was fair for me to live my dream through them. You, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. And my oldest got into baseball and football and got a division one scholarship to go play football. You know what I mean? Like, like that was, the, that was the keep your eye on the goal. prize. That the was prize the new was, goal. Yeah. That was the new goal. And my youngest is, is like six, six and he plays basketball and he hates school, but he's a really good basketball player and he's not going to go to division one basketball, but you know what? It could pave the road for other things. And I used to think I didn't play team sports because I raced motorcycles and bicycles and that was my thing. Yeah. And, um, 
I never wanted to be a team sports guy. And now I look at team sports and I look at the camaraderie that they have that I didn't. And I'm a little envious. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. To each his own. Every parent's going to do their own thing. And I'm not trying to get all philosophical, dude. I've already no, no, freaking wasted like an over an hour of your time and all this stuff. But I, I really enjoy talking about it. And it's something that I haven't, I mean, you're the first person I've talked to about all of this. Like, That's at this we kind we of br- depth, We break news. Since I, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Hard hitting. Yeah. Dude, I'm telling you, you're going to get people that are going to comment on the show and be like, that guy does not shut the fuck up. And, Sorry, man. I just, no, you know, moto was a big that's part of my life and I love on. it. Yeah, that's why I wanted to have you on because you've been around for so long. And I mean, you say that, dude, but honestly, like we just had Vincent Blair on, you know, and he comes from a racing family like Daniels is his brother. And yeah. It's like he's at that point now where his kids are getting on Stasis and they're like, Dad, like I want to kind of do that. Like, you know, and he's like at the point now, he's like, do I let them do it? And he's like, part of me says no. Like, I've, I did it. And I got this injury and I got that injury. And it's like, dude, like I don't want to put that through my kid or have my kids go I, through Dude, that. it's tough as a parent, man. Yeah. It's like like my, my oldest son, right? So he he's playing football. We get we get a – and it's not a scholarship. But we get a scholarship to go to this high school, okay? So he's playing at public high school playing football, and he gets an opportunity to go play at this Division One football team down in, in Southern California. Right. Yeah. And I won't, I won't say the name because I, because I won't, right. but, um, he gets an opportunity to go play there and he's going from playing college to the pros. I mean, that it's kind of, it's kind of the, kind of the, yeah, you're going from your I local mean, race like now are, to like Loretta Lynn's. Exactly. And he's playing like their team was ranked fourth or fifth in the whole United States based on the teams that they played in their schedule. I mean, like straight up legit, legit, legit. Yeah. So he played in the summertime. Um, he was playing in like a, uh, they call it seven on seven, which is like, it's a very aggressive two hand touch. Like these kids beat the shit out of each other basically with no pass. Right. So there's no contact, but there's plenty of contact right. and it's full speed on a short field offensive only. Like it's pretty interesting the way they do this. And it's how kids are found and discovered and how they work through the summer and whatnot. So he broke his wrist. Okay. He broke his, I think it's his navicular. Is it navicular? I think that's the wrist. It's like the, the wrist that freaking like ended RJ's. RJ's yeah. Like so yeah. Navicular then. Yeah. And then navicular. Stu had so, one too. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, almost done. Yeah. Okay. I'll give it to you in a few minutes. My wife just came in. She's like, I need my freaking phone. I know. So my bad. <laughs> it, 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 no, dude, no, 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 no. So he, so he goes to play this and he breaks his wrist in this seven on seven tournament. He gets this opportunity to go play football. Okay. He doesn't even know the wrist is broken. So he's going to this new school and he's got these huge, huge expectations on his shoulders and he breaks his wrist and we have to have surgery. We end up going to Dr. Alexander out in Temecula. Brock Tickle, I called Brock and I called Bill Poto and I'm like, oh, hey, dude, what do I do? Like, who's like, the guy? Who should I call? Yeah, who's the guy? Th- who's yeah. the guy? Because this is a moto type of industry, right? Or type of injury. So they're like, call this dude. So I call the dude. I tell him what's up. And we're like, hey, man, we're going to this school. This is what we're doing. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm familiar with football. I have some football, I have some athletes and whatever. So we go in and have surgery. And it's like heart-wrenching to see your kid with all these hopes and all these dreams. And he's watching them crash around him because he's got a broken wrist you know right. and it's it would be the same thing with moto like 
I just, I didn't want to see my kids get hurt, dude. I really didn't. And I sound like a pussy, but like well, I said, those, I mean, yeah, like when, you've seen it and you've, you've you, got friends that have, you know what I mean? It's just, it's tough. Yeah, it's no, tough I'm for sure. I'm, I'm a, I'm a hard ass on my kids. I really am. And I, I have pretty high expectations and pretty high expectations as far as how they act and what they do. And I had good kids. I mean, I am really proud of my kids. Like it's probably the single, it is the, the two single greatest things that I've ever done in my life. And I don't mean to be sappy or anything like that, but right, right. I don't know, man. Moto just wasn't, it wasn't in our DNA. It really wasn't. And they're competitors in a different way. Like I saw my oldest playing soccer when he was like six years old and I was on the sideline looking down as he was running towards me. I just happened to be at that spot at that second. And I saw the look on his face and the determination and the focus. And I'm like, holy fuck, dude, this kid's got it. Like he yeah. really does. And he, it ended up turning into a, a, a division one college football athlete. He, he doesn't have any expectations to go play pro football. He's none. He's like, I don't want to play pro football, but I sure would like to go to college and play football. And it's yeah. like, okay, so we attained that, like we attained that goal. And then he tore his ACL and things kind of derailed and we're, we're COVID hit. And it's been one thing after another, but I mean, it's coming back around. You know what I yeah. mean? Like next year, hopefully. And you know, um, and I don't want to jinx anything, but I mean, our goal is to play at Boise state. Like that's where he, that's the direction he's headed. So when you go there for your shit, maybe you can get an opportunity to go watch him play or something like that. I mean, that's kind of my, our owner is huge, but like our owner at WPS Boise state, like he's big in Boise state, like love sweet box the whole night. Like he's all about it. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, we're talking about like shit, dude, like let's buy a house up there and not, not necessarily move right away, but like, yeah. Let's buy a house up there. Let him live in it, pay the rent, get some roommates, whatever. And then we have like a, you know, like a fallback. And I know people in Boise hate Californians. Yeah, but they do. Not I'm not really a Californian. Californian. Yeah. I just, uh, I just happen to have a California license plate on my van. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can change that real quick. No, we're so, like Moto people. Moto California people are different than normal California people. Like it's not even a comparison. Well, didn't, didn't Weston just move up there? Yeah. Yeah. I think he, uh, I, I saw he's building the house up there and everything. So yeah, yep, he's, cool. he's out That's there. That's a so. bitching part of the world, man, for sure. For no, sure, Boise so. is cool. I always enjoy going there for sure. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's the biggest thing is just like you said the competitiveness and all that it all kind of funnels into one. But and I think just the the nature too like if you can make those relationships now it might not be moto but if those kids kind of like your kids still have that personality like you do like they're going to make relationships that's going to go greater no, than anything. I think it's so I, I think it's good and and I think the, the, you know the moto industry has really like I said man to, I mean to sum it all up I miss it and I don't at the same time. Yeah. Um, I'm enjoying my role as a spectator and going to the races. I mean, dude, like I try to get tickets to Anaheim Supercross. And I mean, luckily I still have some parts and limited connections with Hilton Beatty and the guys are freaking awesome and always take care of me. But I mean, it's kind of sucks to yeah. go. It kind of sucks to go to the races and be like one of the cattle, one of the herd that has to go through this pit and go into this entrance and go yeah. over here. Like for, like I said, for like freaking 16, 17 years, I could go in any entrance I wanted and it was a little bit spoiled and a little bit pretentious about it. But I mean, God, dude, it was freaking nice to have, you want to watch the race from down here, go watch the race from down there. You want to go up here, go up there. You could go wherever the hell you wanted. And it was badass. And you could come in early and or leave early 
whatever. Park, you could, park where you, you want to park. That. Like it was, yeah. Exactly. Having a credential so, is nine, ten thousand times better. Yeah. Than yeah, and and Moto, yeah. Oh, hundred percent. And and Moto, like I said, the industry it really helped kind of turn me into who I think I am, and 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 I'm stoked with it. And my the positions that I have now or where I am in my life. I don't necessarily know how I would be in this position had it not been for Moto, and I, I love it, and I wish I had more long-lasting friendships that I that I would have maintained. Um, I still don't ever wish I was the guy. I don't need to be. I don't want my pictures in magazines. I don't want. Like, it's not my thing. Like it right. just never was my thing. Um, but the dudes who knew me knew that I was there for the right reasons, and that was to get the job done and do my job and work and turn a brand into something that somebody wanted. And that's what I, that's what made me the most proud. And, uh, so I, I absolutely, I think it was a kick-ass, kick-ass part of my life. And, but it's, you know, all yeah. things change and dudes come and go and that's just kind of how it is. And I'm just one of those dudes that came and went, but it, it whatever, it was good for me. Yeah, no, I had a good run with you. Like we, you know, I've got a lot of relationships. I mean, because of you, me and Ryan Williams, we, came really close and it's just i've made some really cool relationships with you and through you so i'm really thankful for everything you've done for me so um i don't ever want to go anywhere but yeah well Uh, i i appreciate that but i i can't take credit for that it's all if you weren't a solid dude you and i would not have been you know what i mean and i tried to really associate myself with people that 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 not necessarily that would help me but that people that i wanted to be around you know what i mean and so that's it. You know, I mean, relationships that go I, both I ways. really appreciate yeah, both you. Ways, you yeah. Absolutely. And I, I really appreciate you giving me an hour and a half to sit and <laughs> bullshit with you and, no, and not good. even bullshit with you to fucking talk the whole time. But, um, it, it was, it's cool, man. And I'm glad that you're doing this. I think it's awesome. I think there's tons of space out there for more podcasts and people can get more information and talk, you know, about moto and just hear yeah. different sides of things and different stories. And, you know, that's the biggest thing to me is just kind of, kind of just doing something a little different, not so much like we haven't talked anything about racing at all. And like, I don't, I don't, Dude. I mean, the racing is cool, but so many people do it. I just like talking more like behind the scenes and more like industry stuff. Dude, I am so pissed. I did not watch the race last night because yeah. we recorded it and we were going to watch it today. But with all those freaking red flags, I got, I didn't add the extension and we got to watch like seven minutes of the 450. Oh, I didn't even think about that. That was it. That's crazy. I'm so pissed. Yeah, so see, I, I watched it on Peacock. On get, yeah. yeah. I didn't even know. that. So that's crazy. I didn't think about that. <laughs> so, dude, so we had to like fucking stream it from our phones up on the TV. And, like, <laughs> yeah, mirror it. Screen and we mirror. watched like the highlights. Like It was like 15 minutes, and there were like seven minutes. There was like two minutes in the checkered flag. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck? So, <laughs> that's awesome. Anyway. Well, I'll definitely let you get back brother. to your night. I know you got the in-laws coming over, and we're stealing your wife's data. Oh, they're here. Bro. Um, they're here. But yeah, <laughs> they're going to kill you. Yeah, uh, totally. I just love it. I love it. Well, I definitely appreciate the time, Jamie. Like I said, it's it's hey, been a fun run, and I'm glad to call you my friend and everything you've done for me. I'm super thankful. So, um, again, Trip, also, I am. I'm, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go go. Finish. I was gonna say a huge thanks to our sponsors: Spot Network TV, Scott Goggles, uh, Bell Ray Works Connection, and Motion Pro. Can't have a show without those guys. So, thank you, thank you, and of course, again, thank you to Jamie for uh, for making the time and, and RB Components. Huge shout out to those guys. If you haven't yet. Um, please check them out, rbcomponents.com. They make amazing stuff for your sprinters, your moto vans, whatever you need. So please check those guys out. Thanks, man. It's really good to talk to you and catch up. Of course. Of course. We'll do it again, too. Thanks for, uh, li- we'll do thanks it again. for listening to my story. <laughs> yeah. I uh, 
I think there's so much to that. Like, crazy things. We only did an hour and 40, but I feel like we could do a five-hour show for sure. Oh, fully. Dude, come on. I'm a fucking motor mouth. <laughs> I, hey, I love it. So tell the wife you want to come out. I think you guys need to come to Nashville Supercross if it ever comes back, and we'll go downtown and hang out. But um, Guaranteed. With that being said, if I come to California again, down south, I definitely want to come back and see you guys. And Dude, if you anytime, need, you're, anytime you're in town. I will. I'll definitely come by. Like I said, I've been there before, and I love it, and I'll come back again. So All thank right, you, Jamie. I appreciate good. it. Have a great night. And, you got a trip. Uh, we Take will care, talk man. soon. See you. Okay, bud. Take care. Bye-bye.